Welcome to Blue Collar Love, the Starflyer 59 retrospective podcast. My name is Samuel, and we don't make the world go round. And this is Aaron. Big girls like dead end boys that always shove. <laughs> and this is Jared Kohlinger. I don't have a lyric right now. <laughs> and Jared is the brain, the driving force behind the band The Enigmatic Foe. And he's going to be joining us today to review this week's album, which Sam will tell us all about. Yeah, so this week's album, um, Aaron, so a little preempting, um, we actually, the last time we reviewed an actual album, Americana, was back in November. So we were about five months <laughs> <Wow>. removed. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> so we're finally getting to the sequel for Americana, The Fashion Focus. So we're actually uh, getting back to doing what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. Okay. I know, right? But it's been a fun ride. And um, this album, from what I can find on the history of it, was like a huge hit for uh, um, the band. Like as, as big of a hit as they were ever going to have. And um, you would think, you know, their hardcore fans would kind of revolt at them. But lo and behold, they really seem to love the album. And um, according to, you know, what was written down in the band's memoir, um, Jason was like, yeah, this was the most relaxed recording I had. And Gold and Americana made me want to give up recording. And this album made me want to keep on doing it. So I thought it was really cool. So, Aaron, um, what's your thoughts on this album? Like, what's your history with this, man? Okay, so Americana was my first album that brought me to Starflyer. So um, this came out in 98 year I joined the army boot camp. Um, and so um, I have a long and varied history with this album. It was the first new Starfire album I got to buy. And I was behind because I was in basic training in August of that year. And so August, September, and then have AIT school, whatever. And so it was right when October, when I actually had freedom again, where we could actually like leave the base and like be a normal human being again. And I went down to the mall in South Carolina, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And I was like, Oh, it's out. Because, you know, we didn't have internet. I had no idea what was going on. I just knew there was a new album, whatever. And I saw it and I bought it. And so we had a weekend of freedom. And so I got it and had my little Discman, if anybody remembers that, for the young people. It's basically a CD player, if you remember what that was, that was portable. And I would listen to it. And then after that weekend, I had to give it up and lock it up. Couldn't listen to it anymore. And I was like, oh, my God. I have to listen to it. I have to listen to it. So I I broke some rules and I got my discman back and I listened to it and got busted and got in trouble. So Jason Spalding <laughs> <laughs> had his soldiers in the military going against orders. Um, and then yeah, since then it's and um so I was and so when I was in the army I was trained to be a chaplain assistant and so then after I graduated I got shipped over to Germany and um which is great and so i um with me and my chaplain because our the units we had was spread all over germany so we basically had our own car which i called the holy roller because i'm a dork and we would drive all over germany it was like a vacation for like two years and this and he had to listen to this album a lot and now in the work i do now um I'm an in-home counselor for like at-risk children and severely mentally ill um, people, so I have to go into their homes, and so I get to listen to a lot of music, and it's so fun that one of the songs that we'll talk about, how 19-year-old Aaron still relates to 41-year-old Aaron based on that song, so I have a very strong history with this. How about you, Jared? What's up? Wow. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, This was my first Starflyer 59 album. Um, back in the day, because we didn't, you know, have a whole lot of ways to listen to new music. So I made a habit of actually going to like Lifeway Christian bookstores every now and again, because they would have like CDs open that like test CDs and listening stations. So just on a lark, I went one day and happened to pop this one in and, um, was completely blown away. I also listened to, um, you know, robot rock at the same time, but, it's got to be at least two or three songs at the very beginning of a record for me to actually spend money on something. So I I shied away from buying Robot Rock that day because Monosynth was the only track on that record that I really liked at the time. But um, but I immediately 
you know, bought Fashion Focus and was blown away. And I had to get everything prior to that record. So I got all the EPs um, and all the other records. Um, so that was my experience with just getting that record and listening to the band. Man, this is like a this is an album that's a first for a lot of people, I think. Which, as far as introductory albums go, you can't go wrong with this. This is a great kind. You of cannot. Mix. It is. Like this is the album. I'll like preempt everything I'm going to say afterwards by saying this is the album that you uh, you try your 13 year old self gives to your mom to convince her that this is an okay band to listen to. <laughs> um, <laughs> my mom was True. very picky about what music I listened to back when. All right, so let's go ahead and um, we'll just dive in now that we have a little history behind this. And we have a roller coaster ride of 12 tracks. Um, Jared, since you're our guest here, why don't you start us off and let us know what you think of the very the opening track, I Drive a Lot. Oh, Lord Almighty. And the Wayne Everett's, you know, drum fill just to start the track off. You know you're you're in for a good ride, as it were. Um and the whole record itself, especially this this track, has a bunch of major seventh chords. It's very jazzy, very mellow, uh, very chill sounding. And he, Jason, is just chugging along with like a like a B major seventh and uh, F sharp major seventh, like back and forth and back and forth. And it's just it creates this amazing kind of surf drone. Uh, guitar tone and plus you got these pads throughout uh, that are just kind of supporting everything and uh, Cloud's bass is just giving giving it what it needs because it's driving the track uh, again no pun intended but uh, love this track um, I've covered it a few times uh, there's some video footage of me looking a little pretentious with a string quartet playing this song on YouTube. But um, yeah, uh, this was my first, this was the first track that just hooked me. That is so cool, man. Um, well, I'll give you a, so prior to this, one of my biggest hangups with Starflyer, I'm not, I haven't grown up with Starflyer 59 or anything. I don't, um, I'm kind of discovering them as we go along bits and pieces. And um I one of my biggest struggles has been the lyrics. Um, they're very poetic and not excessively deep. However, this track, Turn It On, and my 29th birthday just passed last week, and I can totally relate to this song, um, particularly the wishing I had more time, and I wish I had more money, and man, all the things I would do if only I could, if I could, right? And um, also, I happen to like driving a lot to relieve stress. So I was like, yes, this song I totally relate to. And then I suspect, um, you know, the driving has to do a lot with Jason's um, job, where he drives for his dad's um, company at that point in time. So, to say nothing of the instruments, I agree. I like the kind of jazzy bit of it. Um, I love Wayne Everett's drums there. They give it a, uh, I don't know, it's, um, I'm... I, up to this point, I kind of called it lounge flyer anytime they break into the jazz. And I feel like this album's the closest thing I'll probably ever get to a full album worth of lounge flyer. And I freaking <laughs> <True>. love it. <laughs> All right, Aaron, what, what are your thoughts? Okay, yeah. Uh, so this song, yeah, I, I agree with all that. The drums, when you first, I remember pushing, playing the CD player. And that initial drum fill, um, drum fill by Wayne, I'm with you, Jared. I was just like, wow, this is going to be great. This song is like a five out of five for me. Like, this is this is my second favorite song in this album. Um, the drive, yeah, like what you were saying, Sam, I agree with all that. Which I'll, uh, And then when I mentioned earlier about there's a certain song that I relate to when I was 19 and 41 because of all the driving, this is it. Um, I love the organ in this, uh, Junior Jean's drum, organ. I'm going to talk about that a lot in this album. I love it. The drums are upbeat, airy, vibrant, all, you know, jazzy, all the things you guys said. Um, I've listened, I, I've been known to listen to a song on repeat for days on end. Like, it's just so great. Um, it's like with what you said, Sam, like, uh, so relevant to me too. Like, I think all the things I'd be with time to kill and just out lots of money. 
I literally think about that every day, like multiple times a day. Like that <laughs> could, could go by. I mean, who doesn't? But <laughs> yeah. And with the driving and everything, like you're driving, and you just see so many things, and just like those thoughts just go through your head. Um, the background vocals at the outro, uh, I, I'm guessing that's probably Jason and Wayne, or maybe just Wayne. Um, Wayne's great with background vocals too. I just love this song, and yeah, I don't know what's that. Great start. Couldn't have a better intro. <laughs> All right. Um, Aaron, why don't you lead us off on the uh, next track, We Are the Ordinary? All right, We're the Ordinary. I love the slow mel- melodic intro. It's like from the, the upbeat, just the, the, the first song just takes you on this like just upbeat, like poppy um, trip, which is amazing. And this one kind of just like slows you down. And I like that because you're just like, oh, what just happened? I, did, I, need, I need a moment. I need a moment. That was too much. Um, the harmonica is banging, uh, which is weird to say about a harmonica, but it was definitely banging in the song. I love the tone of Jason's vocals in this song. It's controlled and deliberate the way he like really enunciates every word um, with the hushy vocals that he's you know, been known for. Um, the keyboard swells and bloops we hear throughout like at minute two, uh, two minute 38. It's like the, the boop, 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 um, um, it's throughout the song. It adds so much character to it. Um, and then, of course, at 3.43, when the crescendo just just sends the song into the stratosphere. It's just amazing. It's a great song. Um, third favorite song. I have nothing bad to say about this. Jared, what about you? Yeah, the, the harmonica, the... Um, <laughs> God, the, the the guitar lick at the very beginning, that, and that's what's going through the the majority of the song is just it's got this cascading sound to it. And um, again, I like the I don't have anything else to add except like the the lyrics at the end. Sometimes we don't have a life. Um, just, that was one of those tracks that struck me as my uh, I guess my 18 or 19 year old self at the time. So. Yeah, I've got nothing else to add to that. Oh, that's fair. Um, it's funny because this album, for I think it's just because of the year it came out, gets a lot of comparison to um, Radiohead's OK Computer. However, I would argue um, that is not the album Jason and uh, maybe by extension Gene Eugene drew um, influence from so much as R.E.M.'s new adventures in hi-fi because that's what this album reminds yes, me of a lot that's a better yeah that's a very yeah that's a better yeah especially the song leave i see that yeah that's a better comparison and this song in particular reminds me a lot of that new adventures in hi-fi album and i love it like you know give me rem vibes all day long um and then as for the lyrical content is this um i think i know in a couple albums we get old which is jason's like super existential crisis i think this was um the warm-up album for that so i i i relate super hard to uh you know the feeling of being ordinary and how much that sucks sometimes because you're scared of life not mattering in the long run and then of course i agree with all the musicality and the climactic guitar at the end awesome um and i'm just yeah i'm i'm loving this i'm only two songs in but i'm loving it so far especially that I actually have some lyrics I can chew on a little bit. All right. So that brings us to the next song, Sundown. Um, Jared, I guess take that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the intro of that with the, uh, I guess it's the false start of the, uh, I guess the synth of what's happening at the very beginning. And then the drums kick in, uh, love the, the build and the mood of this song. Uh, and it, the chord changes that Jason, does take it in a very kind of dark and of course moody area that um i've not i had not heard anything like it at the time and i wrote down that it was like um, a tim burton a a song that belonged in a tim burton movie oh yeah (laughs) i can i can can see that Uh, yeah i agree but yeah, I don't have anything else to add to that. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite tracks right. on that record. Okay. All right, I'll take it and let you go, Sammy. Um, the guitar tones on this song are incredible. 
Um, you have that fuzzy, um, freaky tone, and then, but also, and there's a competing guitar. I don't know who's playing it or whatever, and it's poppy and upbeat, and they both complement each other really well. Um, I love the subdued party vibe of the song because it sounds like I, I get the moody, but at the same time, it feels like there's like a little party, like, but it's not like a it's kind of like a weird part. Like, there's some sketch stuff going on there. <laughs> it's, it's like um, some disco <laughs> drumming going. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the song knows it, it, this. Uh, okay, this half about the song. This song knows it's cool, and it's just gonna go at its own pace. It doesn't care what you think. Um, at minute two thirty-seven to two fifty-six, um, the interplay of the instruments is perfection. I just love it, and it sets the um, that outro to the song. It sets it up perfectly. Um, Love this song. Eight, my eighth favorite, which, I mean, on this album, eighth favorite is still, like, amazing because there's just no bad songs in this album. But what about you, Sammy? <laughs> so now that you say the uh, dark disco party, I'm really convinced that um, either Gene Eugene or Jason were listening to some Danny Elfman because a little history on him. He's um, Tim Burton's go-to composer for all his films. Additionally, he was in a new wave band called Oingo Boingo before he ever started composing. Are you serious he was in that? I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm wondering if they had some, like, uh, this is like their uh, Danny Elfman song a little bit. Um, Beyond the the music itself, though, I find the lyrics interesting in this. Um. So they seem to be about someone falling away from the faith. And it's not the first time Jason's touched on this topic. And then just kind of like, in a manner of speaking, selling their soul to the world. Which is um, just fits the super dark tones and the fuzzy bass and everything that's like driving it. It's kind of like, I don't know, it reminds me of uh, like an old time preacher. You know, when they're preaching about the, the party in the world. And, you know, don't sell your soul to it. That's what this kind of gives me the vibes of. So, yeah, interesting. All right. Um, Jared, why don't you take us off? Um, I know this is one of the more popular Starfire songs in general. Fell in love at 22. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous song. It's, it's very drowsy. It's got this musical lilt to it. And the keys really add a, such a great tone to it. Uh Wayne Wayne's drums or his his playing is is slightly subdued, but it gives it exactly what it needs to you know, drive the song along, especially with when he's hitting the ride. Um, it's a, an absolutely gorgeous track. I got nothing else to add to that. All Fair right, enough. I'll... No, go ahead. Go Sam. for it, Aaron. All right. To this point, this is Jason's best love song. There's going to be better ones, but at this point in his career, it's not even close. This is his best love song. But it's so funny because now um, when I hear this song within the last two weeks, uh, when he's saying the line playing card games in the room, all I can think of is Jeff Clout ripping off Jason during a game with Skipjack. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's happened. That's all I think about now. That's all I can think about now. Jeff has ruined the song for me. And then also another, and to this point, just, I don't have it talked to, I know I normally talk a lot about the lyrics and stuff, but in this album, I'm not going to talk a lot about the lyrics because to me, the music is just like so amazing. Like, like, it's like a second thought to me (laughs) to even consider the lyrics, but um, there's some gems like this one, this is our life, our good times, relationships we don't always, we're not always able to recognize that, you know, while we're in those moments, these are the good times, you know, um, of our lives. Um, and, you know, and and then, you know, relationships end because, you know, they're not always permanent and everything. And um, but it's I think it's very important to take to be able to realize, you know, this is an amazing moment. This feels good. Let me realize that this is good because not all relationships are permanent and they don't have to be, you know, and when they end, they end. And then. You know, you know, you find someone else and then hopefully when you're in those moments, you do better and you're able to recognize that. So I really like that because, um, yeah, we need to recognize that. That's all I have to say about this. Oh, so, besides, this is my fourth favorite, fourth favorite song in this album. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'll say after the last song, lyrically, I need like a palate cleanser, a good love song. Um, and it's funny because this actually isn't really new material for him, lyrically speaking. Um, he's reflecting on a happy life, settling down and working on raising a family. And if you go back to like even I think there's even like a song in silver about it, but definitely gold. Um, he repeatedly comes back to this theme of domestic bliss. And um, it's actually even briefly touched about touched on in um, why can I not think of the name? The his and Ronnie's project before this. Oh, Brothers Martin. Oh no, I'm um, Dance House Children. Dance House Children. Thank you. Yeah. I could I and, my brain. And from and from this point on and on every album too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, musically, it reminds me of something by uh, a crooner like a Perry Como or a Michael Bublé is the vibes I'm getting here. And um, I know, like, it's it's weird to say that because anyone who just listens to it will be like, "Why are you in a crooner?" Because it's very much indie rock, but it's like um that's the undertone of it on top of you know everything that Jason normally brings to the table and Gene Eugene, etc. So um yeah, that's a, a nice crooner song and um, a great love song overall. I wonder if he's ever actually played that song live. I mean, I know he's got his his set things that he typically played, but I've only been to one Starflyer concert, and I, that's I don't one know more that's, than me. I don't know if that's ever been played live, so I'd be curious to know. Jason, Jeff Clout, let us know. Um, to, I would be curious to know. I would be curious too. You would think he would. I mean, the live albums they've done, yeah, it hasn't been up there, so interesting. Okay. Next song up, a holiday song. Anybody want to go for that? Anybody chopping at the bit? All right. So I'll just jump off on this because okay. I have been um, I've been listening to a YouTube channel a lot lately called Sideways, and it's a, a guy with like a, a degree in music, um, and he just dissects what makes different genres of music and different styles, etc. What what makes them? And he happened to list in there. Um, you know, in order to make something a Christmas song, just add bells. And what's the first thing you hear in this song? <laughs> <laughs> bells. Bells. Um, I, I really wonder if, like, Jason and Gene wanted just to test that theory out. Also, um, aside from the bells, though, <laughs> I kind of wish we would have... Uh, I'm glad we're reviewing this with this album, but I, I do kind of wish we would have listened to it back when we were doing our Christmas songs a few months ago. Um, I love the Beach Boys Christmas vibe to it, especially with that nice organ. Um, and it's it's essentially just what every 60s artist did there for a minute, where they took one of their love songs and they're like, hey, let's call it a Christmas song and add some bells and some something referencing Christmas within the lyrics. Um, in short, the song is awesome, and I love the guitar near the end. Yeah, it's such an okay. odd inclusion on the record. Um and I, I love his his just his dead panned happy holidays at the very end of the song. Yeah, I have anything no else? Idea. <laughs> no, that's it. That's all I got for me. That's nothing else about this song, Jared, really? No, I, I love the track. I mean, I've got nothing else to add that hasn't been said. Yeah, it's, okay. it's absolutely fantastic. Okay, well, I love the thumpy drums throughout the thump, 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 thump. Those, I don't know what, what Wayne or the band did to get that that um effect that sound but i love it. it's such a poppy happy christmas song all i'm and i don't know why but every time i hear this song it reminds me of mariah carey's all i want for christmas is you i know they're nothing alike i know there's nothing similar <laughs> i have no idea but whatever this song comes in comes on I, that song pops in my head too i have no idea why this song should have made jason though it's such a great christmas poppy song i mean it really is and with that said, though, even though it's so great, it's my least favorite song in this album. Not saying I don't like this song, because, again, this album's perfect. They're all great, but someone's got, one of them has to be last, and this is it. But I, I, Christmas time, it's on my Christmas playlist. I never skip it. Love it. <laughs> nice. That's all I got. That's all I got to say about that. Happy holidays. I know we're we're finally seeing conclusion of the um, dance house children, um, you know, throwing in random holidays into your songs. Oh yeah, Groundhog's Day. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my god. Oh man. All this right. The Dance House Children episodes, guys, is something. <laughs> all right, Jared. All the time. What do you think oh, of this man. song? One of my favorite moments on this song is is that cascading guitar solo. It sounds it just is so watery, um, and him and Jason just singing all the time, just over and over and over again. Um, it, it's it's a favorite moment of mine on the record because it's not a very complicated song in in my mind, but all the the things that he does musically really make that song for me uh and i've i've tried to like use that same kind of cascading guitar solo in the layers and just to creating that tone and the mood on on my own stuff but yeah he that's fantastic i honestly thought josh dooley had played that guitar solo at the time but of course he didn't play on that record (laughs) all right well I love this song. Um, uh, more of those dumpy drum tones, just like from the last song. Ear crack. It's like musical crack to me. Love the sound. I remember hearing the song of the MTV's Real World. <laughs> Y'all remember that show, The Real World? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, I can't remember which season it was, and I was watching it, and I was like, yes, Starfire's about to blow up. Yes, finally. Of course, that didn't happen. I was like, dang. <laughs> um... Here's one of Jason's rare songs um, that really um, and that talks about you know Christianity and of course you know the song about someplace we'll find some love and you know find some real love where we'll be happy all the time so um, yeah so it's you know one of those Jesus songs I've always appreciated how he's been able to share his faith without being like coming off holier than thou or like overbearing with it so the casual listener they're probably not listening getting you know, Jesus out of it, but I mean, it's there, and I, and that's how it should be, I mean, um, I don't think it, being over the top, which, you know, Sam and I have talked about this, and even on the Dance House Children albums, like, you know, worship music um, should be, should make people think, because um, it's a heady thing, what is God and how to worship him, um, but yeah, the, the chill, laid-back, lounge-wire aspect of this song, I really love it, um, ninth favorite song, what do you think, Sam? Um, so my first thought actually was, is this an anti-love song? So (laughs) what? (laughs) explain yourself. All right. So the first line on there is we don't make the world go round, which is the the opposite of a a very classic line in poetry and pop songs in general. Love makes the world go round. Right. And then, um, and then in the second verse, um, he kind of he goes into some like heaven lines, which gives, like kind of reminds me a bit of C.S. Lewis, um, a, a world that's we're in a world that's not our own, but pretty soon we'll go home. So the message of the song seems to be, and I can totally get behind this: live the best life you can until you get to heaven. Um, and then, like you said, anytime a Oh, no, sorry. I was thinking, yeah, like the the open. We don't make the world go around. I took that as like we as people, like individuals, whatever, whatever we're doing as a church, as lovers, whatever. We don't make the world go around. It's God, but that's how I took it. Sorry. Fair yeah, enough. <laughs> um, either way, uh, a little uh, a little dash of humility and uh, not thinking yourself so important is always uh, I think for anyone doesn't matter, Christian atheist, take your pick. You should uh, probably be a little bit humbler. So it's a good thing for everyone. And then, like you said earlier, anytime Lounge Flare makes an appearance, I get pretty happy about that. Like, yeah, that's awesome. All right, Aaron, take us off on the birthright. No, I think Jared. Oh, yeah, Jared already did. Okay. All right, sorry. Yeah. I'm slow. I'm slow. I'm sorry. All right. So, Birthright, my seventh favorite song on this album. Um, the drop that at the 22nd mark. Uh, and more fuzz tone rock on this jam. I love it. Um, at mid, uh, 50, the 58 second mark, there's a second guitar doing this do 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 sound, um, strum thing. I love it. Um, and then it repeats um, during every course. Um, and now the nominations for the 
we haven't had this for a while and we should probably make this a week um a, um every episode thing but the most cryptic jason lyric um this this episode is never shot a bird right what <laughs> what i don't know i love it um that's all i gotta say about it fair enough jared what are your thoughts on it <laughs> You know, I didn't initially appreciate this song when I first heard the record back in 1998 because I didn't have the musical context because, like, all the other songs before this were either, you know, driving, kind of mellow, kind of moody. This one was the first really hard, driving, fuzzy, loud track. And it wasn't until, like, I listened to silver gold and americana and those eps that i finally appreciate like oh where did this come from because i had no idea and i would have loved to have heard more of that the, the beginning of the song where it sounds like um someone's like tuning into like the studio like they caught the some people they caught the band like practicing before jason's guitar you know starts playing the song I would have loved to have gotten more context with what that was, like what audio that was, were they practicing? Um, but um, yeah, the song has grown on me. And um, I, th- I actually didn't mind the live version on Never Play Covers. I thought that was a, a pretty decent v- version uh, played live. Don't go too deep in that. We're going to cover that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's cool, man. Um, so I thought this was the most direct musical reference to past albums. Um, in particular, this gave me silver vibes. I was like, okay, I can kind of see, uh, you know, the the silver lines throughout it. Um, lyrically, it's uh, mostly just a big reference to the biblical story of Jacob and Esau. Um, I do know through much of the 90s, especially into the early 2000s, Jason rarely actually gave his lyrics too much thought. He would usually just um, write up a line that sounded interesting and then tack whatever else fit the number of syllables needed. So um, I think this song was probably just that. It was like, hey, let's uh, write a song about Jacob and Esau in the Bible. That's kind of cool. Had no idea what's up with the killing the bird. And then... um, I do appreciate that in as few words as possible. He seems to be uh, at least criticizing both brothers' actions, which um, anytime you deal with a a conflict between two people, I appreciate both sides being looked at and not just saying one or the other was perfectly right. So, yeah, um, up to this point, this is probably uh, my uh, most meh song on this album, but it's still not bad. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Jared, you want to talk about card games and old friends? Oh, yes. And I've, I've played them with Lens and I've played them with Dooley. And no, this, don't do it with Cloud, though. Don't do it with Cloud. No, I've, <laughs> I've never gotten to meet Cloud personally, but we've had uh, plenty of correspondence over the years. But, um, yeah, this this song and knowing now knowing <laughs> Jason and, and the band and <laughs> – and all the stories and skipjack, all that stuff. Yeah, it's it makes it makes just it just makes me smile um, to to have been like a fly on the wall during those moments. Um, yeah, I just love I love the drum intro as well. I think it sets it uh, sets it up as well. And that's all I got. Just my experience I would... in, in knowing knowing how they uh, play cards. <laughs> Yeah, um, after that interview, I'm like, man, that gives. I'm glad we did that interview before this song because that gives this song so much context. Um, but overall, I um, I do like Wayne's drumming. It gives it a nice punk vibe to it almost. Um, and it just seems to be a nice reflection on, you know, here's some good times I've had with friends. Um, and especially, you know, knowing the number of band members that have came and went from the band, it's um, kind of bittersweet you know reflecting on all the people that have came went etc but still had fun times regardless aaron what are your thoughts every so like i said so i discovered this album and when i was starting my army career 
And every time I had to move while in the army, and to this day, whenever I have to move, I play this song on moving day. I have like a whole playlist to remind me that all we have is memories. And that's what's good about this song. And in like what you both said about the cart, how important card games is to Jason and the band. Memories are all that we have. And so like when you were interacting with people in our life, um, to take the time to appreciate those relationships because in the end, I mean, we're on our deathbed. Well, you know, that's going to be all that we have. Um, and so, you know, when we start a new chapter in our lives with the move, I just like to remind myself that, you know what, you know, it's, it's about memories. Um, everything else leaves us. I love the FedEx reference, express the world on time. <laughs> um, I hope Jason got some money for that probably didn't this is another pop gem you know this this, this should have been a hit man like this, this could have been played on like indie rock radio or mtv this is like such a universal i don't even see this as indie pop it's nothing too original or flashy um just jason writing another great pop song you know it's my fifth favorite song too i mean and normally i just don't like it's just a pop song but it's a great pop song um that's all i gotta say about it <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I wish pop songs were. Uh, I wish we got pop songs like this. I mean, I know, I know, right? This is amazing. It's <laughs> two minutes. I mean, it's only two minutes. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it's about two minutes, eight seconds or so. I'm gonna have to look that up. Do you know? Is that right? Um, no, that's pro- that sounds about right. So, um, <laughs> Jason has an interesting thing with his music, and I've noticed it throughout these first few albums. He seems to draw from one of two influences primarily. Either he's pulling from um, Britpop slash Beach Boys from the 60s, which those or are Or New just, Order and stuff like that. Or he's pulling from, like, Striper. I know he's not actually pulling from ah! Striper, but, I'm you know. Oh, you. wow. <laughs> um, oh, damn, I was about to stab you. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's either a two- or three-minute song, or it's a six-, ten-minute song. There's not usually yeah. in between. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right. It's two. You you know that it. it's two minutes and eight seconds exactly. Wow. All right. Um. Hey, Aaron. Yeah. I think you should shut your mouth. Don't don't don't. Uh, All right. The so organ. Be, no, go ahead. Okay. I'll <laughs> I'll tell you what I think of this song, and then I'll see if you um if you guys agree, disagree, whatever. Okay. So I think this may be one of the heaviest songs lyrically we've touched on thus far. Um, like, this is just him giving a royal tongue lashing and sounding just ticked off at someone, like, so mad. And I personally love, like, a good Righteous Anger song. Um, I just, I especially appreciate, you know, uh, I'm all about responsibility to your family, taking care of them. And just him just taking a whole entire song just to be like, hey, you're a big jerk for not doing that. Is um yeah, you don't see anyone else, especially in Christian music, ever doing that. And I'm like, you know what, we need more of that. That's like half the old testament. <laughs> and um musically it continues the trend of what if punk pop existed in the sixties as played by the Beach Boys? That's um this song and really a lot of this album. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jared, what do you Jared. think? Jared Oh man. <laughs> Uh, this is another odd one. I love this track. Uh, between, you know, like uh, a holiday song and Shut Your Mouth, musically polar opposites, and it it's one of those tracks that kind of sticks out on the record, but it's extremely moving. Uh, and like you were saying, Sam, that, that organ is the highlight, and that solo is perfect. Um, I, the, the live version of this that I have heard, I miss that organ, though. But anyway, that's for another podcast. Okay. Um, okay, so, and, and I know the lyrics to this song. When it comes on, I sing along, and they don't register at all. And you left your life, and you left your family, too, for things you never care about. I, I get all that. I just hear the music. I don't even care. I just don't care. And we'll get to another song later. Well, I, I could not care less about the lyrics. I just love the music so much. Like, I know the words and I'm listening to them, but they don't register because the music is just so freaking good. I agree. The organ 
when this song still show the ah chant is pretty great too i love that it's very hypnotic um at one minute one uh minute one and 39 seconds there's is that ring, 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 guitar sound that um shows throughout the song which changes it up and is amazing i enjoy Song and singing the chorus <laughs> to the so okay so here's the thing so when I'm when, when the song's on and I'm around I love just singing the song and I just turn to the person around me I think you should I wish you shut your mouth like I just love that I don't know why and so whoever's just around me just gets that treatment um it is an odd <laughs> song and I see the comparisons to this and holiday song and it's so crazy that there there's such musical similarities but they're polar opposites um tenth favorite song um yeah, I, you know, as we're listening to this, doing this, I really want to listen to this song right now. Of all the songs we review right now, I just want to hear this song right now. That's all I got to say about that. Um, I hope you're not is, ever singing it around your wife. Oh my God, it's probably one of my first divorce, my first marriage ended because that happened a lot. <laughs> <laughs> not even joking. All right, um, this is our first title track, the Fashion Focus. Jared, what's your thoughts on this? Oh my god, Everett's brushwork on that track is perfect. It's so drowsy. It for me it just captures this like late summer kind of lonely suburbia, kind of driving around a neighborhood. Um just it's a very moody of uh, the feel of this track is really what makes it for me. Uh it, that's a tr- it's one of the songs that kind of grew on me over time because uh, I initially didn't um get it and it, it's just grown on me over time and love it it's it's it really for me makes the entire record i mean it's the title track and for me it sums it all up it's very drowsy it's got all these major seventh chords in it um and kind of kind of sleepy <laughs> but i love it that's funny I didn't, I didn't think about that yeah this is the uh, the eps had um title tracks but this is the first album that had a title track yeah this this is a song for you to go on a walk with your with like a loved one or family or maybe at a picnic. It's like just you know if you had like a portable speaker or like whatever like you know you go for a walk to family with a wagon whatever you put in just it's just like such a peaceful song. Um, I find it odd that when the world gets me down, listening to this song makes me feel better. <laughs> At minute two and five seconds, there's a keyboard part, and God, it feels so good. It doesn't sound good. It just feels so good. It's like that little, it just just makes me, I don't know, it just like cheers me up. It's like like the best antidepressant ever. Um, and so why is this song called The Fashion Focus, you know? And like what Jared said, I mean, may, is this supposed to be like a representation of like the mood that Jason was trying to make for the album? Because if he was, then yeah, yeah, I agree. This is a perfect, if you were going to take a song and say, okay, this is what this album's going to sound like in all aspects, except for one. Um, you know, this is it. And, and this is a great representation. Um, it's, my 11th, it's my 11th favorite song. Take it, Sam. So I don't normally like list which song's my favorite, but I think this is my favorite song on the album. Are you kidding me? I love this song so much. Touch um, your mouth. It's like. <laughs> so um, once again, I'm getting like a Danny Elfman vibe um, from this song, and I, I love that like so much. Um, also, this is the theme song to a lost television show. I'm pretty convinced of it, and it would have been one of the quirkiest, best sitcoms ever um, if they would have just used this as a theme song. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I can I can definitely see that. It would be a British show for sure. <laughs> um, I love the doo-wop backgrounds, uh, the vocals, and the gloomy disposition. It's such a happy-sounding song, and I agree. That key thing they do where it's like, it starts playing kind of a, a riff with the keys, and then it just hits the wrong note, but totally on purpose. Yes! Yes! And, uh, great! <laughs> that's a Danny Elfman thing. That's what I get those vibes for. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I love it. I friggin' love this song so much. That that Yeah, that's all I have to say about it. It's awesome. That's a hot take. That is a hot take, Sam. Wow. Your favorite song on the album. Jared, what do you think about that? That's his favorite song on the album. 
I can get behind that. I don't think uh, it's necessarily mine, but because it 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 sums up the entire record's mood for me, I can I got your back, brother. Uh, All right, one. Aaron, tell us no, what you think about no, too I'm, much fun. No, no, I'm going last. I'm going last. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jared, have at it. Matter uh, All right. This was another track I, again, I didn't appreciate the first time because I had no context of what Starflyer more or less used to sound like with all the previous records. So between the birthright and too much fun, here were these two very, you know, loud, harsh, noisy tracks that I, I wasn't initially into, but love these i could listen to too much fun on on repeat it's one of those tracks because one it, it goes on for almost eight minutes and you've got all these searing guitars and jason finds a way to keep topping a guitar solo like he's able to like they they're mixing or whatever he's able to do with all these different takes but he's able to like rise above all the noise that is being created and you can still hear this blazing, searing guitar solo that he did. Um, it's it's a it's a fantastic track. See, um, this song, maybe it's just uh, the being the second to last, um, but it feels like a leftover Americana B-side to me. Um, with its epic guitars, great backing instruments, um, but then also those placeholder lyrics. And uh, it's just, I don't know, within the context of the album, it doesn't quite do it for me as much as I would love. Um, and lyrically, just question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what the heck is up with these lyrics. Um, these were Aaron's favorite lyrics, though, so maybe he'll, he'll shed some light here in a second. Um, but yeah, the, the lyrics are... Um, they were actually my new entry in Jason Martin's most enigmatic lyrics genre, um, particularly the lines about um, girls love a guy and then shove it. And I, I don't know, Aaron, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> Y'all, this is the best song of this album. This is the third, like, in my top three Starfire songs. What is wrong with you people? What in the world, man? Okay, I'll talk about the lyrics briefly. They don't matter, but big girl, big boys like dead and girls who always shove. And then vice versa, big girls like dead and boys who always shove. We like the bad boy, we like the bad girl. That's it. We are attracted to what's bad for us. We're self-destructive. That's what that's about. Doesn't even matter. Let me get into the song. All right. The amount of air guitar and baby guitar I've played to the song. And I don't know if you guys know what baby guitar is. It's when you take your baby and you hold them and you play them like a guitar, like an air guitar. I've done this <laughs> I've never this done song. that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, whenever this song, I'm listening to this song, my 13-year-old son just runs and like, Daddy, I can't anymore. I'm like, it's okay. I got a three-year-old. You're good. <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. And like I said, I usually care about lyrics. And like, if you listen to previous episodes and as we go, um, I'll talk about lyrics. But I don't care what Jason's in the song. I don't care if he's reading from song, from a phone book. I don't care if he's plotting. He's singing a song about how he's plotting to kill my, kill my mother. I don't care how, if he's pledging his allegiance to the KKK. I don't care. His music is so freaking good. I just, <laughs> it's just so dope. It is so, it is too much fun. It, it, the solos, you talk about the solos, and he's topping them. It's just like, okay, this solo can't be bad. And he goes more, and it's more. Um, the heart driving drums, Jesus. I wish this song went on for like 10 more minutes. It's the perfect driving song. The organs, oh gosh, the organ swells, especially at my five minute 29 seconds, coupled with the rest of the band. It just brings tears to my eyes. Even to this day, every time I hear it, when that moment hits, it just like, this is like some type of like holy rapture just comes over me. Um, it's almost eight minutes and it feels shorter than any other song in this album. It, this song to me is like shorter than like Fell in Love at 22. And, like, when it, and then when I end, I'm like, that's it? I need, I'm always sad when it ends. I'm like, I need more. It's, oh God, this is it's a perfect song. I don't know. That's it. It's amazing. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it, man. Um, <laughs> no, I, mean, I worship it. I worship it. <laughs> 
Cool, man. To every person their own. All right. We're into the, the final track, the closing track on the album. In my eyes, a lot of times, the closing track is one of the most important tracks in the album. It's like a stick in the finish there. It is. So, Aaron, what do you think yeah, of this closing track, Days of Lamech? Thank you, because I need it after that. This is the song, this is the cigarette after what adults do at night for me. Because too much fun is just like, I need to come down. That's too much. <laughs> And this is the perfect song for that. I love the cricket sounding effect in the background at the beginning and throughout. I don't know what that is. Of course, it's super loungy feel of the song. I know Sam's going to love it for that. I love it for that, too. Um, um, yeah, it's like, you know, this is this is the perfect closer. And like you said, this sticks and this is the best closer. for. The, and I think about all the other songs. If Birthright or Holiday Song, fell in, any other song would have been at the end of this, it would have ruined it. It would have been terrible um and i love the little mecca reference the from the bible he never gets talked about he gets no shout out so i was like what um and it feels like a lullaby to me um um and back when um mixtape tour thing i used to like um make like nighttime mixes for people and this was always the last song of the mixtapes i would make for people um sixth favorite song in the album who's next <laughs> jared have at it sure uh this one definitely grew on me over time, and it is one of my favorite tracks. It is so drowsy. I swear Jason took a you shot. You said it's your favorite Nyquil. track? It's one of my favorite tracks. Oh, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> uh, it sounds, it, to me, it sounds like Jason took a shot of NyQuil and then went into the recording booth and did his vocals because I, I, <laughs> I, 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 love, I love his delivery. I love his delivery because it just pulls you along. Like every every word that he says, every note that's being played, it, it just continues to pull you forward and pull you along throughout this this entire song, and it's it's one of my favorites. If I was on a desert island and one of these twelve songs I had to listen to on repeat and not get tired of, it would probably be this song. Hot take. Wow, that is a hot take. I bet you can't guess which one would be mine. <laughs> too much fun. <laughs> no, drive a lot. No, of course, too much fun. <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. What do you think, Sam? All right. So, um, musically, this song does set the image of the sun setting on a beach, probably somewhere in California. And um, for that, it's a, it's a great ending. I do um, endings. Um, closing tracks tend to come in one or two flavors. If people actually, if the artist actually cares about the sequencing of their album at all. It either ends on a huge um, crescendo end, similar to like, you know, too much fun, or it ends like on a very low key, let's chill this out note, um, like this song. And lyrically, see, it's funny you say this is like a good sleeping song, because lyrically, um, this song would freak me out a little bit, because... <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Here's the deal. Um, this, I don't know, in between, like, the existential crisis stuff, and um, Jason does this a lot in his lyrics throughout multiple albums, but he's really hitting, like, the Old Testament prophet vibe on some of these lyrics. And this song in between, in particular, Lemmick, um was Noah's father. So this song is all about, and I've heard this preached hundreds of times as it is, um... Everyone was just living life and being happy, and they had no idea their world was getting right end as they knew it. The apocalypse was upon them, and they had no idea. And this just seems all too fitting with, you know, this past week being the mess it is. And I'm just like, ugh, so much, it's so heavy. But at the same time, it like, you're right, Jason sounds like he, you know, down some NyQuil before singing this. And just um, what's better what's what's better sleepy time um material than the world ending i mean doesn't that inspire you to like sleep forever <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's a depressing but interesting note to go out on but yeah and with that said if he if he had ended up with too much fun and this had been earlier uh sequencing matters i, I know with the streaming and everything is different but back in the, the context when this album came out if Dave Lamette came at any point in the album, that would have been terrible. It, sh it couldn't have ended with too much fun. So great, 
Drake sequence in here. So any right, other guys, thoughts about this album? And, well, I'll give you my final thoughts on it. Um, so it's uh, really just a – the fashion focus is all things considered um, a really slightly more concise and cleaned up version of Americana. Um, this time you can tell all the um, – all the players are in place. You know, you have Gene Eugene's awesome production values going into it. Um, Jason just sounds more relaxed and, you know, what he's writing, like he's not trying to work out a whole bunch of inner demons this time as much. And, um, you know, I love that uh, Wayne and Cloud, they just, they, they even out perfectly, giving it this really smooth, jazzy sound. And like I said um, before, it gives me lots of uh, new adventures and hi-fi vibes, which I love. So, yeah, some great pop arrangements and um, taking place of that wall of sound guitars with one or two exceptions. And um, overall, it's a triumph and a fresh start for uh, Martin and Company. Like, I called Americana the end of a trilogy. This is the beginning of a trilogy and a great beginning at that. So overall, I give it a two and a half. Lyrics, I give a two because there's a lot of interesting ideas and some stuff I can even explicitly chew on this album, which I just love, but it doesn't like spell it out. It's still very poetic. And then music, um, some parts were slightly lacking, particularly the parts that I felt like they were regressing back to like silver a little bit. But really, apart from that, this musically is phenomenal. So overall, I give it a seven out of nine, which may be the highest I've given any Starflyer album. That as far. is definitely that is definitely the highest. Not even close. <laughs> How about you, Jared? Your thoughts? If I mean, it, it's a transitional album. Now that I have, when I back in '98, I didn't have the context, like I said. But you know, hearing those first three albums and then understanding what happened with this one and then the next you know three albums to come after this it makes perfect sense and I, I love jason's growth i love the tones that he created specifically on this record uh i loved his use of major seventh chords and the keyboard choices were amazing um the amount of space that was created so they made a lot of very wise decisions in the studio to let songs breathe. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a fantastic record and one that I still always go back to. Yeah, for me, um, we talk about lyrically, like I said, although I don't, I, I said multiple times, the lyrics don't really matter to me on this album, but the few that do resonate with me, I drive a lot. Um, um, the car games and old friends and other songs. I mean, for like what almost 25 years those songs have even to this day like i listened to like i listened to this album this past weekend i still it still resonates with me lyrically so i mean geez i mean that's awesome so i i, I get they get jason gets three out of three for lyrics although the shooting a bird whatever I mean, this is jason um musically again three out of three too um because it's, i mean it still sounds fresh today like you could throw this on any you know any platform radio whatever and still sound fresh and then how it holds up over time like i just said you know musically and lyrically i mean that's still to this day after 25 years i listen to this album at least 400 times easily and too much fun at least a thousand times on its own um it's not, this album's like a it's like an eight and a half for me man <laughs> it's really great <laughs> That's awesome, man. So yeah, high marks all around. Um, yeah. I was uh, I was not expecting to like this album as much as I did. Um, I just coming off of Americana, and uh, I listened to this album a couple times, and nothing stuck with me. But then when I actually sat down and dug into it, I just I was digging it. So Jared, um, you have some musical stuff going on. You want to talk to us about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm working on a new record. I've got 14 songs. Uh, Frank Lenz has already done the drums for it. Uh, Dooley's going to be uh, doing some guitar with me. Um, yeah, um, looking forward to it. Um, going to be laying down some some tracks over the next couple of weeks and, and doing vocals and hopefully get that record out 
sometime at the end of the year, if not if not sooner. Um, still riding a nice high with Josh uh, Dooley's last record, um, uh, History, Mystery, and Gifts, or from Map, because I wrote four of the five songs on it, uh, uh, lyrics and, and added music, and uh, currently, um, while that record I'm doing is being cre- created and crafted, um, did uh, a track with Josh a couple months ago called uh, A Momentary Moth, and he, he did guitar work on that one with me as well, so... Yeah, it's been a it's a it's been a good past couple months doing music with him, and it's it's exciting to be working with Frank again. That's cool, man. So, Jared, it's, I honestly I don't know a whole lot about you or your band. So, um, it, you is um, your relationship to Starfire Fifty Nine? Um, you're a fan, and then you work with a lot of the guys that have been in the bands. Pretty much, yeah. So uh, back in two thousand and two, I actually you know I, I reached out to to Jason through email just on a lark because uh, Leave Here a Stranger had came out, uh, Live at Paradox had come out, and so I thought, hey, I'm a, I'm a musician. I, I know these songs back to front. I'm, I'm your guy to play backup guitar and keyboard. So I on a lark, I sent him an email, and he's he promptly <laughs> responded saying, hey, you should focus on your own music. So that was my rejection from Jason Martin. However... <laughs> How, however, I took that as a challenge, and um, 2003 rolls around, Old comes out, and of course he's got Swift in the band, I'm like, well, it's Swift, so, you know, you can't do better than Swift. Um, no. So, uh, 2004 rolls around, and I help, you know, promote a show for Joy Electric. Uh, they came to the Johnson City, Tennessee area. And Calico Sunset was with them, and they're a Velvet Blue music band. Uh, Joseph and Jenny Andriotti. They're now uh, Fawns of Love. So I got to work with Ronnie Martin and them for that show. And on uh, Calico Sunset's record, Deep Deep Paranoia, Frank Lenz produced that. And Josh Dooley wrote a song, or also played guitar in it, but one of my favorite tracks of Dooley's is uh, The Frown Winter Found. So that's a deep cut of his. But that's kind of how things started for me to get my foot in the door, was I kind of reached out to Jason, got that rejection, and started you know, reaching out and working with some other musicians. So 2005 rolls around, Talking Voice versus Singing Voice comes out. And my manager at the time was like, hey, you need to, you know, produce, you know, make a record. And why don't you get Jason Martin to produce it? I'm like, no, I can't do it. He already rejected me. I'm not worthy. So he says, reach out to Frank Lenz. And of course, Frank says yes and sent him some some demos. Uh, he loves it. And then we meet up at a at my first and only Starflyer 59 show in North Carolina and Frank recognizes me. He introduces me to Jason. I tell the story to Jason because he's long forgotten about that, about him rejecting me. And he, he loves the music that I did. So I got to meet Frank and Jason and um, Josh Dooley that night at that show. And so I've, I've done records with all those guys. Did a record with Frank, Jason, uh, Ronnie, uh, and uh, Josh Dooley. So I've... I've been very blessed and humbled to have been uh, able to work with these musicians that I respect so much and also be able to contribute music, play on their records, um, write lyrics for them. That was really daunting to write lyrics for Josh Dooley. But um, yeah, so that's me. That's awesome, Jared. Well, thank you so much for that backstory. Um, Absolutely. um, uh, I mean, I, it was exciting to work with Frank while he was recording Pyramid um, and knowing what's like getting to work with Josh for his record um, and, you know, texting uh, like Jeff Cloud did PR for uh, the EP I did a couple months ago for, uh, called A Momentary Moth. So he did PR for that. Um, 
and uh, yeah, it, it's it's been really cool to to stay in touch with these these people, and I can call them and send send them demos uh, as they come, and they they give me that feedback, and I love it. Well, we'll definitely we'll um, get some links from you and post them as we once this published, so people can access and see what you're putting out and we really appreciate you joining us and talking about such a seminal album that the fashion focus was for a lot of people um thank you for your time jared really do appreciate it absolutely it was a blast guys all right sam you got anything else you want to add thank you to everyone that keeps listening to us you guys are awesome thank you aaron for being my wonderful co-host um who would have thought, you. like, nine months ago, when <laughs> you just put on Facebook, hey. <laughs> Anybody want to start a Starfire 59 podcast? Oh, and before we go, I just want to say something. We're, we are a no-budget podcast, so if anyone's interested in helping us out to improve the sound quality or anything else, we're open to that. We just want to do the best show that we can for this great body of work. Yeah, absolutely. If uh, – um, if anyone wants to do anything, just hit me up. I, I'll happily start a Patreon if anyone actually thinks they would want to contribute anything. So, yeah, all the things, guys. All cool. right, thanks. Have a good night. Stay safe out there. Don't let COVID take you out. <laughs> you guys have a good night. All right. Talk to you later. See ya. Talk to you Bye. later. As always, this has been a Brothers King Media production. Bye. Bye.